that he sees what you have been faced with, that he knows your past, that he loves you. You've had some real ups and downs and some chug holds in your road, and, and it's not always been easy, but, but you, need to, you, need to, you need to know that he sees you. The Bible says he's a father to the fatherless, and, and no matter where you are in this church, you know he cares for you in a, in a deep way. And, and uh, I think he wanted to stop this service today just to tell you how much he loves you, how much he cares for you, how much he cares. I know that you're uh, helping out uh, with these young ladies and that God's for you and that he has a great future. I just encourage you to, to serve him wholeheartedly. Amen. You receive that today. He loves you. He sees you. He cares. He's a father to you. Amen. Pray with me as we dive into the word. Father, we just thank you for this word today. Thank you for your word. Just ask that you would speak to us in this area of unpacking my bags. Whatever that, however that uh, impacts each and every one of us, whatever that means to us as the sermon unfolds, I pray, God, great freedom and liberty over your church today in the powerful name of Jesus. And everyone said, if you're not careful in your walk with Jesus or just through life, I believe that it's very easy to gather baggage. I believe it's very easy to gather laundry, if you may call it, uh, clothing, things that will weigh you down in life, things that will, things that you don't really, really deep deep, deep inside want. Things that you've collected throughout the years through relationship and through a lot of different hurts and what have you. That's why I call this unpacking your bags today. The definition of baggage, other than just the typical definition, if you were to look up baggage, you probably would see the first one, you know, some kind of instrument that you put your, you know, your clothes and what have you. But there's also another definition. If you looked at uh, definition number two, it would say something like this, past experiences or long-held ideas regarded as burdens and impediments. And then it has a quote, the emotional baggage I'm hauling around. That's from the dictionary. So I looked up emotional baggage. The feelings that you have about your past and the things that you, that's happened to you, which often have a negative effect on your behavior and your attitudes. Let me read the last little portion. Which often have a negative effect on your behaviors and attitudes. Hebrews 12.1 says this. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off, will you say that word with me, strip off? Every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily entraps us. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before you. If I was in um, the Iron Man, which I'm never going to be in, Let's just say for a fantasy that I was in it. Uh, I would not want to carry my Albertsons groceries with me through the race. I would not want to wear my, any type of leathers that I would typically wear on my motorcycle. Uh, I would want to be pretty stripped down with any weight that I have. 
And, you know, Jesus wants you to be stripped down, not carrying baggage, things that you don't need to carry in this life. Jesus, the Bible says, he came to set the captive free. For freedom's sake, he has come to set us free. He wants you to walk in liberty. I want to talk to you about baggage that weighs us down and slows us down. If you want to use a biblical term for it, which I will read about that in a minute, I'd call it strongholds. Will you say that with me, strongholds? Paul wrote about strongholds. I'm going to read a powerful scripture. I'm going to read one verse out of a chapter. This whole chapter, I would highly advise you to read and break it down, meditate on it, think about it. It's an amazing chapter, 2 Corinthians 10. But out of that chapter, I'm going to read one verse. Strongholds can be a wonderful thing, a stronghold if Jesus... Is your, what is a stronghold? It's like a fortress, a high tower, a castle. If Jesus is in your high tower, your castle, your fortress, that is a wonderful thing. Jesus, be my stronghold. Amen. It's a military type term. What, what kind of military term? Well, if you are in a battle and And all of a sudden you're in a fortress and you have all your peoples in the fortress with you or what have you to protect one another. That's a wonderful thing. But how about if the enemy gets in your fortress? How about if some of them would sneak in your castle or or your tower, your fortress? That's not, a, that's not a good thing, okay? So what Paul's discussing here is it not being a good thing. This strong tower that he's discussing, he's talking to Christians because he's talking to the church of Corinth, and he's talking about strongholds that can be in you and in the eye that really can impact our life. And he says this, you can tell right off the get-go that it's not a positive thing because he says, for the weapons, okay, we- wow, weapons, Okay, of our warfare, weapons and warfare, wow, are not carnal, carnal, but mighty in God for what? Pulling down, okay, pulling down what? This high castle, this fortress, this uh, set of thoughts, the way that we think, it talks about it, casting down, pulling down, stronghold. Uh, let me give you my definition of a stronghold, which is Francis Fangipine. It is this, a house of thoughts. So think about that for a minute. However you were raised, maybe you were raised and your parents, you know, they, you could never please them and you was never good enough and you went to elementary school and middle school and everyone kind of empowered that. Junior high girls would tell you you're ugly, you're too fat and all of a sudden you have a house of thoughts and then you, be, you begin believing and, and empowering the house of thoughts. You agree with it and the house of thoughts Jesus is not in that house of thoughts. He's not in that type of thinking. The enemy is in that type of thinking because they're lies of the enemy. And before you know it, you're dealing with this stronghold, this pattern of thinking that is not good, that needs to be demolished. Think about tearing down an old house or an old bathroom in your house that needs to be remodeled. You would demo, tear off the sheetrock and pull down the two by fours, you got rod in the floor, you got to rip that up, you would have to demo that out. Well, sometimes we need to 
demo the way that we think when we think wrong. Maybe it was through a traumatic event that took place in your life. Maybe you were in a terrible war and you saw terrible things and that's impacted your life. Maybe you're in an accident, a death or divorce or what have you. And all of a sudden you're dealing with a wrong pattern of thinking, which I would consider a stronghold, a house of thoughts. And it's strong and the enemy lives in it. And all of a sudden, in a weak moment of your life, the enemy sabotages you. You're like, where did that come from? A thought with negative baggage emotions connected to it that makes you feel terrible. I prayed for a guy today after the last service that was really struggling with just like, man, I just felt absolutely gloom and dark over my life. Where does that come from? I mean, that doesn't sound like heaven. Doesn't sound like Jesus. Doesn't sound like the fruit of the Holy Spirit. How does those sabotaging things happen all of a sudden in a person's life to derail them and to shipwreck them? Well, I think Paul says it has a lot to say about, about uh, these strongholds and and my, my whole thought today is that if you're dealing with this in your life, I believe that God wants to help you uh, begin demolishing the stronghold and replace it with the right stronghold, the one that Jesus is going to live in, and so that you can walk in freedom and, and power and overcoming and victorious in the things that Jesus uh, desires. He paid the price for. But let me say this. If you don't deal with a stronghold in your life, do you know what a stronghold becomes? It becomes stronger. It tries to take more ground in your life. It begins to impact you and those around you. Maybe your, your family, maybe your wife, and it becomes strong. Well, J.O., I'm getting older. Shouldn't I get better with getting older? Well, hopefully you get better with getting older, but I'm going to tell you right now, age will work against you if you don't deal with strongholds in your life and wrong patterns of thinking. Getting older doesn't make it better. I, I think you'll become bitter and more pain-filled and more uh, discouraged and if I may use the word perverted what I I mean perverted in a your, your every crook your crooked way of thinking needs to be straightened out and so forth and so on so with age it doesn't mean that you're going to get better you can get better as long as Jesus is in your stronghold and that you're thinking right and so today, I want to kind of connect those two with baggage. I think we need to unpack our bags instead of continually packing our bags like we're going on vacation. How many of you, before you go on vacation or something like that, you put a list together to make sure you don't forget anything? Is anybody else list people than me? That's it, man. I'm just among the list people. That's not a... Man, I got my hunt list. I got hunting lists on there for probably years on my iPhone because I can't. Well, you know what? I think sometimes I do that whenever ever I go on vacation. I, and I got my list right here with me and, and I got my baggage right here. And, and I just want to go through lists. And, and you know what? Maybe we're going to Hawaii and, and I, I got to make sure I take my baggage with me. There's my bag right there. And, and uh, let, let's just start packing up our baggage. You know what? I think I'll, think I'll begin with this. Man, my drawers are so full, I just can't hardly get in them. I think I'm going to begin with these genes of rejection and just 
little bit of genes of rejection and that creates anger in my life because nobody likes me. I'm just rejected and, and I got that right now. And then, you know, that creates bitterness in my life and it's a vicious circle, angry and rejection and bitterness. Let me make sure, you know, I might need this in Hawaii, this black, long, heavy, uh, you know, hot thing. I might need that in Hawaii. You know what I'm saying? Who knows? I might, I'm so familiar with it. I'm so used to it. I might need it when I get there, you know, and now, you know, I know it's sunny in Hawaii. Is everybody happy in Hawaii? I need to carry a little bit of depression with me. You know what I'm saying? And I'm so worried right now that I might miss my flight. I got a little anxiety going on and what's going to happen when I go through the security and, you know, what are they going to do? And are they going to lock me up? And, and, uh, you know, let me, what am I, what am I missing right here? Oh, I got to collect my little religion with me. You know, I've been raised in legalism and all of a sudden I got to carry my religion with me and, 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 and all this, you know, accusations and what, what I just want to, I better empty all my drawers. I better carry all my baggage with me to Hawaii because I might just need something there. Wow, is there anything? Oh, wow. Look at this. You know, this T-shirt from 1982. This tormenting T-shirt. I might need a little torment in Hawaii. Just, you know, I just got to make sure. Got it. Have I missed anything? Oh, I, I got my denial. There's my denial shirt. and There's my criticalness. You know, they got good sushi there, but I'm sure I can find something wrong with it. I think I about got, I mean, I ain't got nothing else. Yeah, I pretty much emptied my drawers. My, my bag's packed. Now I'm going to try to close this thing up. Don't want don't to forget anything. Just pack my bags. Let me close it up here. Oh, yeah. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I need to put my name on this bag. What if, what if it gets lost? I need to pay, this thing's so heavy, I think I'm going to pay overweight for it because I want to take it all with me. Can I have a baggage claim number? Are you going to make sure when I get to Hawaii, my bags are there? Wow. Got all these bags. Got all this stuff in my bags. Got all this pain. Dragging her with me everywhere I go. You know what I find out? Is that I've worked with a lot of people. And you would think that everybody with this type of baggage would want to get rid of it. And I find that some people, no matter what, they don't want to get rid of their stuff. And it, they act out in all kinds of different crazy ways. They don't really want to be healed, I find. Now, there's people in this room that want to be healed, praise God. There's some people that I've worked with in the past that don't. I'm here to convince you today that this baggage that I'm sitting on right here, this type of baggage, is not good for you. So I had a thought to go through some different emotions today, but the only one that I honestly get to is this one. Unforgiveness. Will you say that with me, unforgiveness? It might be the most important one that we're... I hope to God 
that you unpack it today. I had another one I wanted to get to. I didn't get to it in other services. I won't get to it today. But I want to let you know. I want to talk to you about this one about unforgiveness. Turn with me to John 5. Now you got a U version. You can use that. We're going to have it on the Sky Bible. We're going to get back to the baggage in just a few minutes. Hopefully we're going to unpack that thing. I want to read a story about a man. The story takes place at a pool. The pool is called Bethsaida. An angel would come down and stir the waters. If you were the first one to get in the water when it was stirred, guess what would happen to you? You would be healed. People laid around this pool, not getting a suntan. They laid around it because they were sick. Maybe they had leprosy. Maybe they... Uh, were paralyzed, infirmities, afflictions. They laid around this pool because they were hurting. And there was a guy that was there that Jesus, out of all of them, he addresses. And he says something. I'm going to read it. And then I'm going to ask you a question. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity, 38 years how many of you are 38 years old or under raise your hand that's a whole lot of people think about laying beside a pool for 38 years when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? That's a pretty good question, don't you think? If you were laying there 38 years by a pool and Jesus walks up to you and you heard about Jesus, you know what he's able to do. He walks up to you and he says, do you want to be made well? What would be your answer? Yes. How many people would say yes? For the rest of you, just stay jacked up beside that pool. Right? I would say yes. I would think that this guy in the Bible would say yes. That's not what he says. I would simply let three words, three letters come out of my mouth. Yes. Yes. Listen to what this man says. The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. Blame it on somebody else. I have no man to put me 38 stinking years. And you're going to tell me there ain't no man who's going to put you in the pool. 38 stinking years. And you're going to blame it on a man. Just Pack my bags. 
Blame it on somebody else. 38 years. It ain't my fault. It's got to be his fault. Then he goes on to say, but while I'm coming, so obviously he can probably walk or move or something because he says, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Pack my bags. Nobody will help me. (laughs) And somebody gets in my way. 38 years. Let's just say that I'm that guy. 38 years, obviously he can move around. Jeremy going to try to get in my way. I don't care if Jeremy get in my way in 38 years. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to body slam this brother right here. He's going down. I'm taking him out. In 38 years, thank you, he could really body slam me because he's a wrestler. But, in, but listen to me really good. In 38 years, I would grow fingernails out and claw my way to the pool. In 38 years, if I can't move really good, I will roll to the pool. In 38 years, I'll get my teeth going and I'll bite my way to the pool. In 38 years, I'm going to body slam everybody in my way to get to the pool. In 38 years, I will get in the pool the day after the, the angel came and lay up in that pool. I might be spongy looking and I might be pruney looking, but I'm going to sit in that pool until that angel comes back. Come on, somebody. 38 years. Give me a break. 38 years. Do you want to be whole? I've worked with people that, man, oh, man, they put the game face on. They look the the look. They kind of talk the talk, but they do some jacked up stuff. And I'm like, do you really want to be made whole? Because my God is able. We try to blacken the eye of Jesus by, well, he just saying, you know, I'm going to let you know right now that I believe that if you really want to be made whole, you can be made whole. Because of what Jesus has done for me and you. You don't got to blame it on, well, it's my mama's fault. It's my daddy's fault. It's my third cousin, one took away fault. My double first, Whatever. Somebody else gets in the way. Get him out of the way. My husband's still smoking weed. Who cares? Take your children to church. I don't care what it is. It's how I was raised. Who cares? You got to take responsibility and quit packing those old nasty clothes. Still wearing those 501 jeans. Still wearing that turtleneck from the 80s that's tormenting you. Still got those shorts from the 80s. That's up to here. Come on. Or 70s, whenever it was. Now they're probably back in. Who knows? You need to quit packing your bags. Quit adding to those bags. And by the way, unpack your bags. I think this guy, 
38 years, somebody get in my way, he's 38. He's a bald-faced liar. Because in 38, think about, how many days is 38 years? 365 times 38. Who knows? Man, in 38 years, baby, I'm going to get to that dang pool. Sorry about saying dang. I get a little bit overzealous. Is dang okay? Oh, good. Thank you. I'll say dang then. Okay. Why wouldn't he want to be made whole? Why wouldn't he just say Y-E-S? Yes! Yes, Jesus! Yeah! Why would he say that? I started thinking about that. Maybe he didn't say yes because he likes the attention. Maybe he's used to it. Maybe he likes that baggage. Maybe it's familiar. I might need that baggage. That baggage ain't going to get you nowhere. That, 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 that baggage right there is going to drag you down. That baggage right there is going to jack you up. That baggage is going to just add to it. That stronghold, we need to demolish the stronghold in our life. We need to demolish the wrong ways of thinking. Man, Jesus, he came to absolutely open the prison doors. He came to bring a great exchange. Come on, somebody. It's good news. It's great news. He'll take your ashes and make beauty out of it. Come on. He'll take your depression and heaviness and worship and praise man that's who my Jesus is come on he wants to bring a great exchange to your life today maybe it's because he didn't really think that he could live in the real life maybe it was a spirit of an infirmity maybe it was a stronghold in this man's life I want to let you know today that in 38 years maybe it's 38 days God wants to unpack your bags today he, he really wants to do something beautiful in your life and I want you to think about that today Think about through this sermon. Some of you know my story, and I'm gonna, I want to just share a little bit of it with you this morning to, just to make a point. I remember very clearly when I was 17 years old going to, was a, I thought it was a fire, or either maybe they told me it was a wreck. And I went to it, and I know some of you have heard this, but the church has been growing so much, not everyone's heard it, but I'm using it for a point today. So whenever I got to the wreck, which was a wreck, I'd been a volunteer fireman. I pulled up in a, how many of y'all remember those Smokey and the Bandit Trans Ams? You, from the 80s, you know what I'm saying? My buddy had one, and we drove to the wreck. And when I got there, I got out, and uh, I couldn't even tell. I had no clue that cars were trash. You couldn't even tell where they were at a glance, and my sister was laying by the road. They just laid her body out by the road, and she was dead and three months pregnant. And it really, really, really impacted my life. About nine years before that, when I was eight, nine or 11 years, whatever, do the math. My, my parents had been killed. So I had these traumatic events in my life that really devastated me. Then I remember very clearly the same year I was still 17 years old and I was in a bar. How do you get in the bar and you're 17 years old? Before you know Jesus, you do whatever you do. Fake IDs and lie and whatever, you know what I'm saying? So I'm in the bar and I'm sitting there with a bunch of my friends. It's Tuesday night, ladies night. And this couple comes in and says, it's real crowded. Can we sit at the table with you? We said, sure. You ever been around someone that talks and they never shut up? 
you know that person? I'm like, dude, this woman just does not shut up. Her, her boyfriend was real quiet, and she just kept talking, just kept talking, kind of rambling like an old rambler. And then it came out that her boyfriend is the one that hit my sister. When it came out, I about lost my mind. And I remember having a long neck beer bottle. I remember bouncers. And then I remember being in jail. My friends came and got me out. They explained the situation. And I was full of pain. I, I didn't hit the guy. I just, I was in such, I, w I had emotions beyond emotion at that time. Four years later, I go to church, 21 years old, 1986, December the 7th, Pearl Harbor Day. I get invited to go to church, something like this. And I hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. From 8 to 21 years old, how many of you collect things? Anybody collect anything? I was a collector, a collector of strongholds. I dealt with depression. I dealt with chronic anxiety. I dealt with panic attack. People sometimes come up to me, oh, I had a panic attack. I had a pa I'm like, what, what was it like? I'm like, you ain't had no panic attack. <laughs> I lived with panic disorder, chronic anxiety, depression for years. I met Jesus. He began to heal me. Sometimes he allowed things to surface because I think he really wants to heal us. And I remember very clearly that I had to forgive this guy. Man, that guy had done something that was kind of like unforgivable in my book. But I had to forgive him. And another woman that had really hurt me, I had to forgive. I went to a counselor, and he sat down with me. He says, J.O., for the next two weeks, I'm going to put it in my terms, I want you to unpack your bags. What you want me? For two weeks, I want you to write down everyone that's hurt you, everyone that you've been bitter at, anyone that you have unforgiveness toward. I want you to write it down. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then it was amazing over the next two weeks how the Holy Spirit brought things up and how I would write them down. I just began to do this every day. Anytime the Holy Spirit would bring someone up, how that person treated me, how that person deceived me, lied to me, dissed me, hit me, rejected me, you name it, I just started unpacking my bags. You would be amazed of what forgiveness can do in your life. You will be amazed of what unforgiveness can do in your life. Oh, my ex is living Texas. Some of you got an ex in your life, and they still are controlling you, and they live 5,000 miles away. They're having a good time. They may be serving Jesus, and you're still mad, and you're still bitter, and you're still getting all crusty towards them. You just need to let it go. Tell your neighbor right now, let it go. Now, can I put it in my terms? Let it go! Sometimes people have to hear it a different way for, it to, for them to feel it. You need to let it go. I want to give you three things that I think today that you need to do. Listen to this story before 
I'm almost out of time. I'll get your permission. Can I have a little more time? Is that okay? Okay. Unforgiveness is classified in medical books as a disease. In the Bible, we know that it's called a a sin. Sin. According to Dr. Stephen Stanford, of chief surgeon of Cancer City Cancer Treatment Centers of America, refusing to forgive makes people sick and keeps them that way. And it goes on to say, I won't read it all at this service, it goes on to say that 61% of every person dealing with cancer, usually they find is dealing with unforgiveness. I'm not saying if you have cancer that you have unforgiveness. That has to be between you and the Lord. This research found that 61% of anyone dealing with cancer had unforgiveness in their life. J.O., what if I have someone that continually, continually offends me, every week family member or friend that continually ongoing offends me, hurts me, and I have to forgive them over and over and over and over again. How many of you know, first of all, that offenses take place? Let me tell you what Jesus said about that. Luke 17, 1 through 5, then he said to the disciples, it is impossible. Say that with me, impossible. It is impossible that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him to have a millstone where hung around their neck and were thrown into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourself. Unpack your bags. Right? Take heed to yourself. And then it goes on to say, if your brother sins against you, gather about 10 Christians around you and tell them how bad that person is and began a gossip little problem in the middle of the church and gather, woe is me. And no, it says, you know what it says to do? Code red. Rebuke him. Can you believe that Jesus would say that? Rebuke him. It's very good. I've been rebuked before. And rebuking at first, I'm like, dude, that guy's a jerk. Right? Right? But then it really did a whole lot for me. It caused me, if you, if you respond correctly to a rebuke, it causes you to grow up. You know what I'm saying? Get your head out of the sand and all that good stuff. So rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against, against, against you seven times a day. What if I sin against you seven times while I'm preaching? I don't want to do that. But seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you, say, I repent, you shall forgive him. And it goes on to say, a lot of people stop right there. The next scripture says, and the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And I like that, increase our faith, because it takes faith to forgive. It takes real faith to forgive people who really hurt you and things that people go through in their life. So let's say, I want to give you three things in closing today. Say you have a friend or a family member that continually offends you because the Bible says very clearly it's going to happen. It's impossible for you to live this life and not get offended. So what do you do with those offenses? And what if that person offends you over and over? Every time you go to work, that person's there and they just offend you. No matter what your mother-in-law says, she just offends you. And What do you do with that? I want to just coach you on that today. Here we go. Number one understand say that with me understand Understand. proverbs says this get understanding three times at least get understanding understand what jo understand the person that constantly offends you is broken 
They're broken. It's my wife, though, J.O. Well, she's broken. How do you know she's broken? Because you're broken. We're all broken. And you need to understand we're human and we're broken. And so, well, J.O., but I'm not as broken as she's broken. She's jacked up broken. Okay, you're broken. She's jacked up broken. Or she's broken, 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 broken. Whatever it is, then you got to, listen, you have to adjust yourself. You have to adjust the way that you think towards that person. You got to adjust expectations. If you keep expectations up here like, there's no way she should be. She's lost her mind. There's no way she should offend me like that. You need to lower your expectation. Remember that that person is broken and lower the expectation in your life towards that individual. No matter if it's a friend or a family member, lower it. Remember that she's broken. Lower the expectation. You'll probably live a lot more peaceful. You'll probably live longer, and you'll probably live more happier. If all you're worrying about, I'm just, I, you know, I, I know she's going to offend me today. I know he's going to offend me today. I just, I'm just waiting on it. Just lower it. Come on. Get understanding that they're broken. Amen? Will you say that with me, understanding? Everyone doesn't have the same capacity of you. You may have a higher capacity. You may not be just quite as broken as them. You may have a higher capacity to be able to handle things and it goes right off your back. They may not be able to, they may not, they may have this type of a capacity when you have a big, this type of a capacity. You need to understand that they're broken and be, just lower your expectations. A lot of times you're like, oh, J.O., I'm just going to cast a demon out my aunt. Get behind me, Satan. It ain't always a demon or a Satan, sometimes they're just broken. Sometimes it's, it's not evil. It's just a weakness they have. Are you following? No, sometimes it is evil. If it's evil, cast a demon out of them. <laughs> Jesus told Peter, get behind me, Satan. Okay? You got to discern that. But a lot of times it's a weakness and not evil. Are you with me? Everyone say get understanding. Number two, govern. Governor, in school, we had 17, 18-year-old bus drivers at school I went to, okay? So there were students, and what they did is they put governors on the buses. Why? So they wouldn't drive fast. So they would go about 37 or 43 miles an hour, something like that. But it was crazy to watch these 17-year-old. My uncle was one of them, 17-year-old, you know, and they wah, going down a hill, catch about 43 miles an hour. They're like this on each other's bumper, bumper to bumper. I mean, the best thing to do is don't let 17 or 18-year-olds drive school buses. That's the first thing I would say to South Carolina, right? Right, Chuck? You agree with me, Chuck? Right? Uh, he's a state patrolman. He probably agrees with me, man. Get somebody that's retired, 60, 50, 70, whatever years old, that's had some experience. Not a 17-year-old, right? But they put governors on it to control the speed. You need to put a governor on your life when it comes to those that, can I put it this way? Friends and families that are crazy. J.O., that's just not politically correct. Okay, I'll back it up. Friends and family that are quite dysfunctional that you need to have boundaries with of how much time you spend around them. Now, let me go back to J.O. for a minute, okay? J.O., you need to watch and govern the time you spend with crazy, crazy people. <laughs> that crazy ant man, all she does, she's bitter and all she... Well, dude, 
govern your time. You don't have to drive 110 miles an hour with her. Back it up. Back it up. 37. If you don't, her dysfunction is going to, may, may I say, rub off on you a little bit? May I say, impact your life? Has anybody been around relationships where you know it's negative and you're like, shoo? Man, don't let them pack your bags. Don't let that crazy aunt or crazy friend pack. Now, I know they really ain't crazy. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> don't let them pack your bags. Govern. And the last one of this, and I'm going to leave you with this. Guard. Guard your heart. The Bible says in Proverbs let me just read the scripture. It's very beautiful. Proverbs 4.23, you might want to add that to your U version. Keep your heart with all diligence. That keep means to guard. It means to protect. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issue of life. I was a bouncer before I knew Jesus Christ. And what we did is we bounced crazy people out of the bar, right? And sometimes I have to be a bouncer with my heart. I want to bounce people away from it, Okay. I don't want their dysfunction to get in me. I want to help them. But if it's the 38-year-old man that's been by the pool for 38 years and they really don't want help, they don't just say yes, then I have to, listen, have understanding that they're broken. Their capacity is not, we're not on the same level capacity. I need to understand, I need to govern my time or boundaries, healthy boundaries with them. And listen, guard your heart. Well, Jay, sometimes people are, have, they, they have a mercy bent about them. Just merciful. Just, yeah, but maybe this time. Maybe this time they're going to treat me different. And then you become a floor mat. And then there's, listen to me, there is unsanctified mercy. You kind of show more mercy than Jesus shows mercy. If you can do that. But you understand? Sometimes it's way unhealthy. Amen? Listen, what do you finally do with all this baggage? You know? all the lists that I went through, you know what I had to do with all my baggage? I'm like, dude, I ain't carrying this funky baggage around any longer. I'm not dragging the suitcase with me any I'm tired of it. I can't help that they hurt me. I can't help that uh, I had unforgiveness and I'm tired of anxiety and I'm tired. And man, get in my way. I'm getting to the pool. What I finally had to do with all my baggage is I gathered every bit of it up and I'm like, man, you see that cross right there? Now, I'm not talking about just a wooden cross for looks. I'm talking about the cross that Jesus hung on. I take it, and I take it to the cross, and I leave it there. I, I, I'm, ta I'm taking all my pain. Man, I'm taking, I, I want some beauty for my ashes. A great exchange. I'm tired. I'm tired of this old jacked up baggage that I've been carrying around because I have to believe and I do know that Jesus is good and he wants to set you free. And you don't have to carry that. You don't have to have unforgiveness toward that person, work, whoever it may be. He came to set you free. He wants you to walk in that wonderful liberty of freedom. Amen. Stand to your feet.
Could you hit those lights a little bit, please? Just bow your head. I'm just going to ask you to do something. If you're here this morning and you need to unpack something, pain, unforgiveness, criticalness, legalism, religiosity, you need to unpack hatred, anger, depression, anxiety, fear. If you need to unpack something, I just encourage you right now. You can talk with somebody at the altar. You don't have to. I just say step out and bring it to the altar today and leave it. How about that? You want to do that? Just step out right now. If you want to talk to someone, tell them. If not, you can kneel like this, brother. You just need to unpack something. Tired of carrying them, those clothes. Just unpack it. Just let it go. If you want to pray with someone, these folks up here would love to pray. We just let them know, okay? Just unpack it today. Just unpack it today. Hey, brother, somebody over on this side over here, either one of them, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, ladies. Praise you, God. If you're one of my leaders in here, if you'd come up here, it'd be a great help to be praying for people. Oh, we unpack it today. Jesus. At the cross, we leave it at the cross today. All the fears, all the worries, all the, un- all the pain, all the anger, all the unforgiveness. No longer is it going to control us. I just want to pray closing today. Let me just say this in closing. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you have no chance of getting rid of that. You will live and you will die with that bag. Because there's only one person that can take away your baggage is a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't know Christ today, he came so that he could take on your baggage your sin, so that you could live free. One sin will separate you from God Almighty. And he come to take care of that. If you don't know Christ today, man, I say come forward. We'd pray with you, give you a Bible, help, help you in any way to begin that relationship with Jesus today. I'm going to close in prayer. People up here, they can hang out as long as they want. If you still want, want to come forward, we'd love to pray for you. Man, don't, don't get in your car with that suitcase. <laughs> don't get in the car with those crazy clothes, right? Unpack it today. Father, just thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you, Jesus, you come to open prison doors. You're all about freedom and liberty. Father, you're all about forgiveness and grace and uh, your mercies are new every day God 
your love, your kind, your tender toward us. You're our Father and you care. I pray blessing over your people today, over families, marriages. I pray that even this week, God, as you surface something in someone's heart this week, that they would remember this and they would refuse to keep that piece of clothing. They would refuse to carry that bag. They would instead put on Jesus Christ. Father, bless, shine your face upon. Thank you for everyone at the altar. I pray that you would meet them in such a beautiful fashion. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. God bless you. God bless you. Unpack your bags, amen.